The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Good morning, Fountain of Life. Um, we're so thankful to be spending this moment together, as together as we can be. I'm just going to direct you straight to our text for this morning if you want to grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. We're continuing our study through 1 John. And as we've seen week after week, this letter is about assurance. How can you have this deep confidence, this, this real trust, this, this uh, experiential knowledge that you know and are known by the living God of the universe? Uh, John has given us objective ways to look at ourselves, to look at God's truth, so that we can have the joy of, uh, of courage and confidence in knowing him. It's going to be the same again today as we look at the test um, of love. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 to 21. Again, that's 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 to 21. Let's hear God's word. 1 John 4, 13 to 21. John writes, By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we have, we have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please, please help us. Please help us today. Help our minds, our hearts. Uh, help this word to plant itself in us. Lord, please help me to teach it faithfully. Help all who hear it, Lord, uh, to see what you desire them to see and to be transformed and changed accordingly. Lord, speak to us, encourage us, convict us. According to your word, for Jesus' sake we pray, amen. It's a, a bittersweet day for me. I wonder if you feel that way too. It's sweet, we're meeting again. That's a sweet thing. It's great to worship with you. But it's bitter. We're missing a lot of our body. For understandable reasons, but we're, if you're, we're missing you right now. It's bittersweet. It's a bittersweet day. Uh, some states are reopening. Some businesses reopening. That's sweet. It's bitter. Last night there were businesses on fire. 
deep racial pain, divide, rampant injustice. We're, we're facing a distinct inability to love, aren't we, right now in this country? And so much fear, so much fear. I've felt it. So I was, I was thinking, what, what do I say? What do we say at a time like this as if there's something perfect? <laughs> but you know what today is? Today is my son Zeke's fifth birthday. He's five. Yeah. And guess what? Even on this day of pain and uncertainty, I'm going to enjoy watching Zeke open presents today because I love him. Nothing's going to change that. Do you know what else today is? It's Pentecost Sunday. You realize what that means? It's our birthday. It's the church's birthday. God sent his spirit upon his people. And amazingly, I mean, you know I started 1 John whenever I started it. That was pre-corona, okay? <laughs> amazingly, our text today on Pentecost Sunday, as we can meet together on this bittersweet day, is a text about the gift of the Holy Spirit. To his people, friends, on a, on, a, on a bittersweet day, God has a present for you. He wants you to reopen what he's already given you. He wants you to open it again because he loves you. And that's what he wants you to know this morning is his love for you. So that's what we're going to think about. We're going to see God's gift to us, his children, in and by the Holy Spirit in four ways. Number one, the gift of abiding. Number two, the gift of the taste. Number three, the gift of transformation. And number four, that all results in the gift of confidence. The abiding, the taste, the transformation, the confidence. So let's look now, 1 John 4, 13 to 15. John said, by this we know we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. We'll just pause there for a moment. What does abide mean? What's it mean to abide? It's really a magnificent word. It includes a lot of ingredients. One is intimacy. So Jesus used the illustration of a vine and the branches. Abide in me. So there's connection. There's intimacy. Uh, there's the idea of, of remaining in the word abide. So it's like a, a loyalty or a, a refuge or a home base, like this is where I stay. Uh, there's, a, there's an aspect of friendship in it. So if you've got a friend that lasts throughout the decades and you, you're staying friends, you're staying connected, in a way you're abiding. Abiding is an awesome word. And isn't it amazing that John says, by this we know we abide where? In him. Who's that? It's our great God. We live in him. We are in him. And John says, and he in us. That takes some meditating. Do you remember? God is with you, in you. You abide in him and he in you. You have a friendship. You have a connection. You have an intimacy. How do we know? John says, by this we know we abide in him and he in us. Did you see how he answers that? How do we know? 
because he's given us of his what? His spirit. Now, maybe at first that doesn't seem helpful because you're thinking, well, how do, I, how do I know I have the spirit? What does that look like? You know, some people might think, well, is this like an experience? Is this a, a dream? Is this, what is this? How do I know I have the spirit? It's kind of important because that's how you know you abide. But look at what John says next. Verse 14, and, okay, by this we know we abide in him and he in us because he's given of his, of his spirit. And, so there's a connection here, verse 14, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. John says, we have seen and testify. What did the apostles see? They saw Jesus in the flesh. They saw him in the flesh, so kind, so powerful, the greatest teacher ever on love and unlike other teachers, he actually lived it out. Did incredible miracles, claimed to be one with God. He is the very son of God. The apostle saw it. We've seen and testify. And what do they testify? The father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Why do we need a savior? It's not hard to see on a day like today. Why do we need a savior? We're so broken and sinful. We've rebelled against God. Our hearts have turned inward. We're utterly self-oriented, prideful. Have you noticed today the human race is especially bad at self-giving love for others? We're sinful. We deserve God's holy and just wrath. But what has the Father done? We've seen and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Why did Jesus come? To save. Who did he come to save? People in this dark, broken, ugly world, his enemies. He came to save. He left his glory to become human, to live as our representative, the one who would carry us on his shoulders. He lived a perfect life so that we could have his righteousness. He died on the cross so that all our sins could be taken care of, paid for, and we might be forgiven. It's awesome. We've seen and testify, John says. Okay, but remember our question, what were we saying? By this you know you abide in God, that you have the what? The Holy Spirit. And then John talk, starts talking about the nature of the gospel. What's the connection between seeing and testifying to who Jesus is and what he's done, and having the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to understand. Because these are John's connections. How do you know you have the Spirit? What have you seen? What do you testify to? You know, if you, as you read the Gospel of John or 1 John, you see John likes to toy with this idea of seeing. Sometimes for John, you can see with your eyeballs, but not see at all. And other times, you cannot have seen with your eyes, but see very well. So if you read John, the Gospel of John, I think it's chapter 9, it's all about sight or not. The Pharisees who have all this sight, they see Jesus with their eyes, they don't see him at all, because they don't see who he is. But the blind man who couldn't see a thing, he's enabled to truly see. See, the Bible has a lot of this. The New Testament has a lot of this. Paul wrote about this 
in regard to how people hear the Bible. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4. Think about the idea of seeing or not. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4. Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, just pause there, what's veiled imply? You can't see. Even if our gospel is veiled, Paul says, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the, the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing, what is it that they can't see? The light of the glory of God, of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. So you see what he's saying, like, people can have the facts about Jesus go into their ears and understand a concept, but still not see it. They didn't see the light, the glory, the beauty, the attractiveness. They didn't see, they were blind. But there are those who have never seen Jesus with their eyes, who see him very well. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. By the way, when was that? Creation. Creation. Let there be light. And there was light. God is doing hosts of new creations. And he says, let there be light. And then Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He's shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Where is this light shining? Your heart and what you love. And so it gives you the light of knowledge. Where is this light shining? Your mind. And what are you seeing with your mind and your heart here in this moment? The glory of God in the face of Jesus. You see the gospel. And it's beautiful to you. And who Jesus is, is is beautiful to you. And your sin is ugly to you. And the idea that he came for you and he died for you and he rose for you. It's precious to you. It's changed you. You put your faith in the gospel. John says, 1 John 4, 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Do you see what just happened? By this we know we abide in God and he in us. We have his spirit, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in, in him and he in God. Do you see it's a sandwich? How do you know you abide in God? You have his spirit. How do you know you have his spirit? You love the gospel. That's how you know you have the Spirit. You love the gospel. Who Jesus is and what he's done is beautiful to you. So first point, first gift. Don't think that God's attitude towards you is, well, maybe if they'll love the gospel, I might abide with them. Oh, no. John is saying, John is saying, the fact that you love the gospel means the Spirit has come to you. It's his work to let you see. He abides in you and you in him. And the reality that you love Jesus 
and trust in him to save you is the shining evidence that you abide in God even now and he abides in you. Why does John want you to know that? Rest in it. Enjoy it. Open your gift. God is saying to his people, I'm with you. You're with me. The fact that you believe the gospel is proof that I've come and acted on your life. Second gift, now the taste. The first one is the abiding. The second gift is now the taste. I love verse 16. Verse 16, John says, So we have come to know and believe. And church, what is it here that we've come to know, to taste, to experience, and believe? We've come to know and believe the what? The love that God has for us. It's easy to know and not know, isn't it? Do you know that God loves you? And I'm not just talking about his kind of providential care for all of his creation. I mean, God's good to those who hate him. He feeds them, gives them sunny days, lets them wake up, go to the doctor, have friends, laugh. I'm not talking about that kind of love. That is an aspect of God's love. I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about God's covenant adopting love where he welcomes you in as his child and there is no wrath for you any longer. Jesus has paid your debt. I'm talking about his delight in you because you're in Christ. Do you know, have you come to know and believe the love that God has for you? You need to know, friends, that it's not like Jesus came and died to save a vague group of people and he hopes some of them might make it to him one day. That's not it. That's not it. The gospel is a personal pursuit. God has his people in his mind, the Father, and has sent the right arm of his Son to accomplish their salvation. And he did so through his life and his death and his resurrection. And God has sent his Spirit to turn the light on in his people so that you would see and trust and believe the gospel. Why did he do this for you? Why? Unpack it. Meditate on it. Is it because you in yourself were so beautiful, righteous, and holy? It's important to realize, what was the condition for God's love for you? Was it your magnificence? It's not it. It's not it. In fact, theologians like to use the phrase unconditional election. It's Kind of a technical thing. Election, that's a choice condition. Why'd you make the choice? Why did God make the choice to love and save you? And when the, when the theologians say it's unconditional, it's a little bit of a misnomer. There's always a condition. What theologians are saying is the condition was not in you. You're too sinful, too broken, too unlovely. The condition is in God and his grace. He is love. And so when you realize, I believe the gospel. When you realize, it's the Spirit who enabled me to believe the gospel. It's the Father who sent the Son and sent the Spirit to bring me in. It's like a big embrace of my Father bringing me to himself. What conclusion must you come to? He loves you. He loves you. 
First John said this, First John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. That word see, it's behold, like ponder, be amazed, laugh out loud, shout for joy. Do you see what kind of love? You are undeserved. He's brought you in as his child. Ah, that's our present today. God, through his Holy Spirit, wants you to taste again his love for you. He loves you. You know, the Holy Spirit has everything to do with this. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John says that God is love, right? It's a tricky phrase. Sometimes people want to say it means love is God, as if the ultimate reality is like a vague, kind of happy, nicest feeling. That's not what John is saying. He's talking about the triune God, Lord and creator of the universe, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is love, the Father is delight in his son. Jesus is called the beloved. The son loves his father. He says, this is why I obey. I want everybody to see I love my father. The spirit is in a way the person of their love, the very person of their love. And so what does the spirit of this overflowing trinity, what does the spirit communicate to us? Listen to this. This is from Romans 5. Romans 5, starting in verse 5. Paul writes, hope does not put us to shame, Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's amazing. What's the uh, illustration of pouring do for you? You know, dumping something in. Where's where's it going? Into your heart. Your core self, how you you feel about things. And, And who's doing this? The Holy Spirit is pouring into your heart. And what is the Spirit pouring into your heart? God's love. God's love. He loves you. And again, as always, the Spirit's always going to spotlight what Christ has done. That's always what he does. And that's how it works in Romans 2, Romans 5, verse 6. This is what Paul wants you to think of. He's trying to motivate you to taste God's love. Uh, Romans 5, verse 6. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Here's the point, verse 8. God shows his what? Love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's when he died for you. When you didn't love him, when you didn't trust him, when you didn't care, when you were rebelling, that's when he died for you. Which means it's pure, gracious love. And if he loved you then, now that you care more, he loves you now. God is love. And he has poured out that love. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. I hope you can see this gift in the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of knowing that if you trust the gospel, that's the Spirit's work on you and in you. And you abide in God and he in you. Also the gift of the taste. You are to taste as you meditate on the gospel by the power of his Holy Spirit. The love that God has for you. Third aspect to the gift. 
Look at verse 19. Verse 19, one power-packed phrase. What is it? We love, why? Because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. I'd like to switch the order of those phrases just to get the flavor of it. Because he first loved us, what? We love. And do you hear how that sounds punchy? It's got a period on it. Because he first loved us, gracious, undeserved love. Because he first loved us, what will necessarily happen in all those whom he has loved like this? We love. It's transformation. Friend, what is your ability to love right now? What's that transformation in your life like right now? We love, the text says. We love. What kind of people do you love? Uh, I'll come clean. It's easy for me to love people who are nice, kind, and encouraging to me. Anybody else struggle with that? Or are you like, no, that's kind of how I roll too. And you think, oh, God loves me and I love my nice friends. And then you, then you think, I don't think that's quite the best illustration. What was the nature of God's like, love like for me? It was awful grace. Terrible and amazing and magnificent grace. I'm a wretched sinner. I hate him. I'm against him. And he gives his son who gives his life to make me his child. You've never seen love like this. If you want even just a small illustration of what love like this is, think of the Christian who bothers you the most. The Christian who is the most ridiculous on things you think are totally obvious. The Christian who still has the most flaws in his or her life, and you think, will they ever get it together? Your love for that person is the best illustration of God's love for you. That's the illustration. We love. Why did God love you? I mean, you've got to melt down the gospel here. What makes you God's child? You have put your faith in who Jesus is and what he's done. Amen? Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone. Stop. Yeah? What makes someone else your brother or sister? Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone. Stop. Your Christian friends with a different theology on some things, your Christian friends with a different politic, your Christian friends with a different way to handle these times. Because he first loved us, what do we do? 
those who know the gospel. We love. We love. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love. He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and the sisters. And what that means is you sacrifice to meet a need. That's what it means. You sacrifice to meet a need. You give up your own rights. Rights are a big thing right now, aren't they? You give up your own rights to meet a need in love because that's what Jesus has done for you. And the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, anybody remember? The fruit of the Spirit is love. The Spirit opens your eyes to love the gospel. The Spirit pours out God's love into your hearts. That transforms you one step at a time. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's the key one. It's the top one. And John's very strong in this. 1 John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. There's different ways to hate, right? Um, if you think of like out and out murder, I don't hate anybody. Or if you think of just calling people out publicly, I don't hate people. I don't do that very often. But you know, Jesus is always pressing sin down into the, the core, right? You despise somebody. It's a scary text. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Have you seen the gospel? Have you tasted God's love? Do you love? He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. There's the seeing thing again. I've seen God by faith, but I haven't seen him like I see you. But if God has enabled me to love him by faith, then how much more should, do, do I have to love the one I can see? And so we love. We must love. And praise God, right? Are you made right with God by how great you love your brother and sister? That would be a failed project. None of us have loved like that. I have not loved like that. What we're talking about here is growth and practice. It's moving forward. It's, like John is going to say, being perfected in love. See, God has a view of what he wants you to be. You're like his, he's the potter, you're the clay, and he's making you like him, and he is love in, him triune, in his triune self, and he's brought you into a relationship with his triune self, and so he's forming you to be like him, and because he is love, guess what he wants you to be? Holy, wise love. That's the transformation. Uh, we heard it last week, 1 John 4, 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hey, Christians, the world needs to see God today. And you and I, we're not a big, we're not, you're a big deal. I'm not a big deal. I don't have a lot of people watching me. I don't know how, a, how big of a deal you are. But however big, big of a deal you are, show the world God by how you do what? Love. By how you love. 
Let's open the last part of our gift. Uh, the first part, you know, it's, it's our birthday. God's given us the Holy Spirit. Number one, he enables us to trust and treasure the gospel, and we abide in him. Number two, we get the taste. The Holy Spirit pours out his love, God's love, into our hearts, so we get, start to get an idea of how much we are loved by grace. Then the transformation, because he first loved us, we love. We grow in moving to be like him. And it adds up to this, the confidence the confidence. And what an amazing verse section this is, 17 to 18. John says, By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. You know, if you're ever going to not have confidence for a moment, it's probably that one. Jesus returns. All your excuses are like, you know, there aren't any. He sees your motives, your thoughts, your words, your deeds. Day of judgment. Answer for how you've lived. How are you feeling? Ah. You can have confidence for that day. Confidence. No fear even. No fear in love. Because fear involves punishment. I'm going to face his just wrath. No, you're not. Why? Well, look at how this accumulates. God has loved you. He has sent his son for you. He has sent his spirit to you so that you would trust his son. He loves you. He has poured out his love into your heart by his spirit. He loves you. He is transforming you to live a life of love. And as you do that, that life of love affirms to you again the beauty of the gospel and the wonder that God has saved you through the gospel. And so you get step by step by step a life of love and that life of trusting the gospel, knowing God's love, living out his love, over time that builds assurance that if Jesus came right back, right now, I'm not saying I won't be a little terrified, but we don't need to be afraid because the one who judges is our friend. The judge is our advocate. He will not punish us for something that he died for. We know him. We abide in him and he in us. We're not strangers. We have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. What does that mean? I'm not perfectly sure. I'll take two stabs at it. I think, I think it, it's broad. Number one, as he is, so we are also in this world. I'm thinking of justification. Through faith in Christ, you are righteous as he is righteous. And he was in the world, but not of the world. Belonging to God, holy to God. As he is, so you are, because you're in him. You have the merits of who he is and what he's done. But of course, John is also thinking of love. You read Jesus' life in the Gospel of John. He loved his disciples, and he loved them to the end. As he is, so we are in this world. What are we supposed to be like in this world? We love God, and we love our brother and our sister. So we have confidence. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. What that means is God's love hasn't grown and matured in you as it should. Well, that's true for all of us in a way, yeah? So what do we do? 
press into the gift. Press in again to the gift. Meditate on the gospel, who Jesus is, what he's done. Love him and know that's the power of his spirit in your life. Number two, meditate on his love for you. Remember it. Remember that it's by grace. Let it heal you. Let it humble you. Remember that same love he has for you, he has for the rest of his people. And make sure you use the standard you want him to use for you with others. Love. Lord, how can I love this week? And as you do that, love is being perfected and assurance grows. So it's a bittersweet day, but we still have a birthday present. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit pressing in on us again the reality of God's love. And if you can have confidence for that day, you can have confidence for today. No fear. Just wise, holy love because we abide in God. We love you, church. We miss you. God is with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what can we say to your love? There's nothing like it. The world's never seen it. No religion's ever said anything like this before. Jesus, what can we say about your love that you would leave the heavens to take on flesh to the point of a cross for people who have hated you? It's just love. We, we, we don't know what to say. God, forgive us for doubting your love. Forgive us for not showing love. And help us, Lord. Help us to taste your great love for us in Christ and to grow one step at a time in showing your great love for us in Christ to one another as we lay our lives down. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.fountainoflifefellowship.com. F-O-L-F-C-R-C dot com.